0: Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm an addict. In the last episode, we covered what actually is the disease of addiction. Medically, this is a recognized disease that is passed on from generation to generation through our families and down into what is known as a genetic disease. It is in our DNA, our genetic makeup. In this episode, I'm going to talk further about what is addiction and how it comes from an inherited disease in our genes to full blown addiction. Series 1, Episode 2 Understanding Addiction. In this episode that we're about to start, I'll be talking further about what is addiction and how it comes from being an inherited disease through to full-blown addiction. Also, I'm gonna introduce you to Amy. Amy is a recovering addict herself, but also has a family member who is still an active addict. So she's dealing not only with her own disease, but also somebody else within her family. And so with that, let's start episode two. Well, the medical interpretation of what is addiction uh, is as follows. It goes, addiction is a psychological and physical inability to stop consuming a chemical, drug, activity or substance, even though it is causing psychological and physical harm. Yeah, so that is the wording and the straight out interpretation of what an addict is in the medical term, which I have here from the medical news today. Anyway, so... For me, (laughs) what is addiction? Well, I didn't see it coming, and I never intended to become an addict. I just fooled around, as you know, and I've I've said to you in my last podcast of my story, you know, I was having fun. I was just doing what we all used to do in those days, and I still think we do a lot today, um, who who are exploring and, and experimenting, and that's really what it was about. But the big issue was, under all this, I had no idea of what addiction was. So I just fooled around and the next thing I realized I am no longer in control of my use, the use has now controlled me. In other words, I was out of control. I was not living a normal life. I was living a life on the terms of my addiction, which was drugs and alcohol at that time. So everything in my life now adapted according to the demands of that addiction. And What it did was start to make me do things I wouldn't have otherwise done. First of all, I was doing a lot of things in secret, and as I've learned, uh, particularly in the fellowship rooms, they say a thing which is so true, and that is, you're as sick as the secrets you keep. And I know I became very, very secretive in my use of, of drugs, and a lot of it because it was underground, it was illegal, but it had got past that when I became an addict. And even when I became an addict, I didn't know and I wouldn't want to admit I had. I thought I had it all under control. It is a very secretive and deceptive thing, and the biggest thing that comes into play is denial. But I'm going to explain all that as we go along. But that's me. That's that's my story, uh, a little bit about my interpretation of addiction. So I'm going to go into a bit of detail now, um, just to really go into my thoughts of what is addiction. So here we go. The disease of addiction is recognized by the World Health Organization as a mental illness. That's number one. It's an existing mental illness, uh, activated by circumstances, environment, and uh, building of a habit to fill a void. And that, that is really interesting, this void. I, I, I get that, that's where I started having to feed my addiction, was to really fill this void. But I didn't, I didn't interpret it as a void, I just thought it as a, as a need. But it was clearly a void. And I call that as a hole in your soul. The interesting thing, it is actually an inherited disease, and I I didn't know this, but it is really fascinating because I'm seeing it in my family tree that I see how this has gone down my family's generation. Uh, It is passed on from generation to generation. It's a genetic disease. And I know that if I look back in my family, we've had either on my mother's side or my father's side, there has been a very active addiction. So let's talk about similar diseases, for example, diabetes, allergies, asthma, depression, all of these require a lifestyle change to live a normal life. So addiction, as a disease, has to have a lifestyle change to have a normal life. Like a diabetic, you cannot give a diabetic sugar. It will kill them. An addict, you cannot give them or they cannot participate in any addictive activity because it will, in the end, kill them. There are multiple addictions, many addictions that you can have all at the same time. So you can have an eating disorder, you can have a drinking problem, you can have a gambling problem, you can have a pornography problem, but you can have all of these at the same time. These are multiple addictions, and I believe that that is what is the potential for any addict who might just think, oh, I've got a drinking problem, or I've just got a drug problem. If you're an addict, You're an addict, and so you have to be aware that you are now so-called allergic to any activity that relates to addiction, like gambling and all the other ones I've just mentioned. Addiction doesn't really care about colour or nationality, age, sex, status, or even your background. It doesn't care. It can be activated according to circumstances and environment. I've traveled the country and I give talks and all the rest of it and I also go to fellowship meetings and I have done a lot of reading. And it is very clear to me that most people have some form of addictive personality. And I call that the sleeping tiger, the sleeping tiger within us. The sleeping tiger, you know, might not be activated at all, of which it doesn't in lots and lots of people. However, there are those who do start feeling a void that needs to be filled up because of anxiety, because of environment, because of whatever, or or mainly actually a lot to do with not feeling that they're good enough, that they're failures, there's a lot of that as well. The tiger then gets woken up, and when it does, it starts growling. And you cannot put this addiction tiger back in the cage. It's woken, and it won't go back, but, you can put it back to sleep. Let me just go through into more of describing addiction. To me, as I've said, addiction is like a sleeping tiger that is waiting to be woken up. And that there are many breeds of tiger that also can be woken up, some all at the same time. Once your tiger has been woken released, it will control you and it will devour you. The only way I live with my tiger, or tigers as I've found out, is to train myself to keep them asleep. So what do I mean when I talk about keeping my tiger asleep? Well, this is really understanding exactly what my tigers are, what my addictions are. And I have multiple addictions. Initially, I had drugs and alcohol. Those were very clear to me. But as I went through my journey of recovery, I saw many other addictions that I had. I, I was obsessive compulsive, uh, I had a sex addiction, I had a pornography addiction, and I must say, I do. I, I, I still think I have, to some degree, a shopping addiction, which really is, is strange for me, but keeping the tiger asleep, keeping the addiction away, is really important because I know that if I was to slip now, have one drink, one drug, get onto a porno site, or whatever else, it's going to amount to becoming active again. And it's it's incredible what happens in the process. You can feel you can have one drink, and then when you have one drink, you have another one because you feel, well, I've just had one, so I might as well have another one. Uh, I could probably have a line of Coke because I've had a drink, so I might as well have a line of coke. So you're justifying the whole way now of why you can have, and that will lead on to many other things, and for me, it will give me the feeling oh well, I can get on to a porno site or whatever else, and so the whole addiction uh, disease rears its head, and that is what the tiger is about. I've learnt that uh, my tiger was a cub when it first came into play; it was a, a little, a little cub, and it hadn't really activated at all. And I had the addictive personality through my history, through my circumstances, through my environment, through incidents that happened to me that allowed the the possibility of me becoming an addict more likely, apart from obviously the generational element of it. So what I did was I chose in that context to start smoking because uh, I had lost my confidence in myself and I felt it was cool to smoke. Without going into too much of a story of that, I then moved that into marijuana and it took away some of these feelings. It unnumbed a lot of the feelings that were hurting me or I felt inadequate about. Then it moved on and I started getting into speed and that moved into cocaine and these things made me feel good, made me feel that I was something better than I was and also I felt that I had an identity with the people I was hanging around with. It was really cool for me and I, and I enjoyed it. And then I moved into heroin and heroin, though it was an incredible drug, which I will say it is, but it is the end of the story the heroin addiction didn't take long to fully grip me but I was in such denial about it for so long that uh, I was in a place where I just I I couldn't even get out. I, I actually got to a point where I thought in my active addiction at that point in time this was the way life is and I must learn how to survive in that life as an addict. So what had happened in that process the tiger had grown up from a cub into something really quite huge and controlling, I could see no way out. However, through tools that I was given, which were the 12-step program, um, I began to learn how I can train my addiction, how I can train myself and learn more about myself through the 12-step program of admitting that I was powerless over my addiction, that my life had become unmanageable. And I came to believe in in a power greater than myself that today is Jesus Christ. Uh, but it took me a long time to get to that point. However, it was the controlling element of handing my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And these are these are just a few of the steps that are incredible, but they are great tools of being able to keep in remission of my addiction, and keep my tiger asleep. I know that I cannot slip. I cannot afford to slip. I can't, I, it would be horrific for me because I just feel in myself that because of the power of my addiction that is sleeping at the moment, it will kill me in moments. If, if I don't think I've got another recovery in me. I haven't got another remission in me. I have to be constantly aware of who I am and what my disease needs to keep it asleep. And so for me, at the moment, I am now, today, clean. I am clean for today. And that's really important for me. I'm not going to look into tomorrow and, oh, I'll be clean forever. I cannot afford to do that. That complacency is going to be something that could well wake up the tiger, and he will take any moment of any advantage to bring me back into his grip. For me, the, the element of what I'm trying to put across here is that tiger grows throughout my addictional life, recovering, and obviously it grows and becomes active uh, should I start getting into an, an addictive activity. With that, when I say I keep my tigers asleep, I keep my tigers asleep by working a 12-step program every single day. I go to meetings and I listen to people who have had similar stories to me um, and have similar behaviors to me so I can understand myself more. And this is hugely supportive. And on top of that is being able to go out and help others who are in a desperate place of addiction where I used to be. The greatest thing is, I, as an addict understand them and hope and know that I can reach out and help them and that is called the 12th of the 12th step today I'm really privileged that I have all this knowledge uh, that I have had over the 37 years that I have been given by so many people who are recovering addicts themselves I could not be living here today if I didn't have the support of those groups and those amazing people who have just walked into the rooms of a a meeting or have been there for years and years and years. These are the people who have kept me alive and I now hope I'm one of those people who are helping people keep off addiction and stay in remission and keep alive. I wouldn't have been able to recognise my tigers, my addiction, even though I was in a complete mess. And um, it, it's incredible how uh, the denial of this disease uh, is just so overpowering that you can be, as I was, sitting in a, a all-night cinema, using every a half hour just to stay straight and still think that you didn't have a problem. I hit my rock bottom and it was then that I began to understand that maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe have a problem and start the journey to recovery and learn about what had happened to me. But it couldn't happen unless I made a decision to stop. And that is the thing is that nobody can, would have been able to help me. And certainly it is very difficult to help an active addict see what the tiger, what the addiction is doing to them until they get to their rock bottom. That can be immediate and it can take a long time and in some cases it might never happen. That's why I am alive today because I recognized that I did have a problem and through the help of other recovering addicts I was able to begin my journey of recovery. I got myself into a rehab and that's where I began to see the light. Most of us, and I know that I do, and I know there are a lot of people out there want to know that we're not alone and that maybe this is a way of understanding of what's happened to us or what's happening to somebody else. before we close off and before we finish today I've I've got the absolute privilege of having a story sent to me by Amy who's actually a a good friend of mine who is uh, now in recovery and she is doing really really well um, as a recovering addict but she's also a family member of an addict in her family she has actually a few members of her family who are caught in addiction. Hence, as we have heard, uh, we've got a generational thing that goes on here with this disease. So Amy, I just want to say thanks so much for this story that you sent me. And I'm looking forward to putting it out there and everybody hearing your story. Thank you. Amy, over to you.
1: Hi there, my name is Amy, and I've been set free of my addiction by Jesus Christ. I was an addict for 10 years altogether, and I have been clean for a full year now. So today I want to take the opportunity to share with you that recovery is a process, and it is possible to stop. But the first step for me was finding my reason to stop without me even knowing. So I want to tell you about how I got to this point. I've done many different drugs before in my life over a span of eight years. Um, It started with weed, then cats, cocaine, MDE, and meth, but nothing I did compared to the last two years of my drug addiction for the two years that followed. No, this was stronger, this was much stronger. In the eight years, I started using drugs because I thought it helped me with coping with my daily living, as I used to suffer with a lot of fatigue, and cutting cocaine and meth gave me the energy to do the things I never had energy to do, and to come down I used to smoke weed and drink. The way I justified it was that I was never aggro when I used it, and I had all the love in the world for everyone, and for every person, and I felt compassion, and I just wanted to share. Um, it made me feel like the person I wanted to be. For the eight whole years, I used it on and off, and I knew it was wrong. However, I never went parting or neglected my child, as I always had the energy to play with her and do fun and creative things. But then again, this is another way I justified my addiction. Not knowing the mixed emotions, I was stirring up in my child. As sometime I was just too exhausted to do anything and irritable. And the next mo- moment I'm hyper and I'm wanting to do anything with her. Well, I stopped when I was pregnant though as I was frightened of harming my child. However, I was harming her by when I started again emotionally without me knowing. So my husband had depression without us knowing. Um, He was actually diagnosed two years ago. So at that time during the eight years, so the addiction was my sort of coping mechanism of always having the energy and always being happy to push him like a wheelbarrow. I worked throughout my addiction. However, my husband was on and off with his job, with every job he had, and was not happy. The only thing that seemed to make him happy was the drugs that we used. Long story short, I left him twice with my daughter and came clean for her sake. My husband came clean too for a while, being apart, but the real nightmare was still to come. I was clean and I moved in with my dad who is divorced due to his uh, drug and prostitute addiction but at the time I thought he was okay and um he used to get very violent as I had fights with him about bringing prostitutes into the house at night. I used to lock my door and I was very scared for my daughter's sake as <clears throat> bringing the unknown into the house is a very very scary feeling. My husband my husband came back for a holiday when I asked him to please stay as I was frightened. So soon after my husband was back we started using cat. But the cat in Cape Town was not the same as the cat in Johannesburg. So we moved on to Mess and this mess was different. You could see it straight away on my face, so You know, my face used to draw in after one use, and um, that forced me to stay away from my family and in hiding, although I still worked. um, But while we were sniffing that mess for one night, my father would do his usual routine of going out and coming back with a prostitute and locking his door. I kept hearing that sound of a lighter clicking over and over and over, and to this day... A lighter that doesn't work, that clicks over and over, freaks me out. It just, I can't stand it. We peeked through the door hole at that time, and my husband says, said that he knew what it was. I, re- I remember my husband telling me about years ago, and this was actually when we first started um, using drugs, and he saw at that time that he would never let me use that and he would never use it as he battled it in his teenage years. They called it locks. I was furious as I did not understand why my father would use it and I wanted to understand and at the same time, I was a mess and I wasn't in my right mind and at that second, I wanted to try it. So my husband and I agreed we would try it together. So he went to the dealer and bought and I smoked my first rock but I felt nothing and then my husband showed me how to use it properly and the second one kicked in it numbed me and made me feel amazing it felt like I could breathe I didn't think of anything in my head it just eased everything I've never felt that way before so we always used weed and alcohol to come down when we knew it was time to sleep. Then it became a routine, uh, so I would see to my daughter and put her to sleep, then use the rocks, smoke weed and go to sleep. Then on the weekend I used meth to do all my cleaning and washing and play and spend time with my daughter. And then at night I smoked rocks, then weed. We did it every night when we could. and. I remember that cringing feeling in my whole body as I used to get it like at night time when I knew that I I wanted it and it got to a point that I used to start shaking and it drove me insane. At that time, I never knew what the rocks were mixed with. It was actually heroin. When my husband used to get back from the dealer, I used used to rush him to set it up like quickly, you know, he never, ever set it up quick enough for me. I needed it. I needed it right there. Even though I know he smoked at the dealer already, I didn't care. I did not trust him at that time. And he was hiding pieces and sharing it unfairly. However, I don't know if that was just in my mind because greed comes with addiction. After a while, I started hating it, but without it, we were both frustrated, but yet I kept on doing it, even though I used to say to myself, I'm not going to do this anymore. It was the first time that I could really admit that I had an addiction. It was stronger than me, and I couldn't do anything to stop it. Every time I did it, I cried afterwards and I could not face my husband, so I used to lock myself in the bathroom. I prayed even though I was still using. I hated the person that I became. I hid away from my family and my friends. I kept Gabby at home on the weekends, never went anywhere. With this, I thought, yo, I don't deserve to be a mother. I didn't know at the time, but that, my, that was my reason to stop. Even though I kept on using that design, my heart grew to stop using drugs. It was in my heart and I cried out to God knowing that He was the only one that could save me and the only one that could see my heart's true desire. This was just the start of my recovery process and I knew, never knew it at the time, but God was working in my life behind the scenes to set me free. My next phase um, that I went through um, is that I had to humble myself before God and to everyone else that cared for me. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to share my story and um, the process I went through. And I just want to say thank you for the opportunity because I find it very important for every person to share their story and um, how God brought them through for so he's the only one that can.
0: Thanks Amy, brilliant, fantastic. And thanks again for that wonderful, wonderful share. And I look forward to many other people sharing. I hope a lot of people identify with Amy. And uh, any any questions that you've got about it, it's, this platform is for you. And um, I just want you to just take it up and use it and be bold and don't be scared. Um, it takes courage to stand up, first of all, and say, I'm an addict. And it also takes courage to say... My family member has got a problem and um, I want to assure you, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You are not a bad person and your partner or your family member or your friend is not a bad person. They are just sick and they are sick with the disease of addiction.